A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim In the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful Assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Peace and blessings of Allah be upon you all Good morning and welcome to another edition of The Breakfast Show. It is Wednesday the 31st of January 2024. You are joined here in the studio by myself, Muhammad Attar, and Brother Abdul Halim, your usual Wednesday presenters. Good morning, Brother. How are you doing this morning? Some blessings of Allah be upon you and all of our listeners. I'm very well. Always a pleasure to present with my dear brothers. Always a pleasure indeed. And as you know... Um, it is still the winter months going yeah. on, so it's still dark Getting outside. Better. Yeah, it's still dark outside. Yeah. And, you know, the morning Fajr prayer has, uh, you know, just uh, probably just finished. Yeah. Um, so, but, but it is getting better. The weather is getting better, yeah. right? It's returning to its norm of not being too cold. Yeah, compared to two to three <laughs> yeah. weeks ago. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, as always, you know, in the first segment of uh, the breakfast show, we discuss the news and the weather. Uh, and then we will be moving on to our main topics of the morning. We do have an interesting lineup of topics as well as guests for you guys this morning as well. For segment one, we'll be discussing from displacement to dreams, nurturing future leaders in Somalia through education. And for segment two, we'll be discussing the Panama Canal drought, Barbie dolls to natural gas, climate drama, raising prices everywhere. We'll be discussing that later on. As always, we will now be getting into the news so um, in terms of the news, Imran Khan, the former Pakistan PM and his wife have been jailed for 14 years for corruption. It was yeah. a day after that he got sentenced for 10 years. 10 years, yeah. Yesterday, it increased I'm, it by I'm four. pretty sure everyone read yeah. the headlines. It was 10 years. Yeah. So now I'm, <laughs> I came in and you were telling me it's increased to 14 years. Yes. So, so what's the, the reason? The allegation is that you know he was uh, supposedly leaking state secrets. Yeah, and I was also reading for corruption cases they, as well. Yeah, so uh, they they both denied the charges that they sold state gifts. Mm-hmm. Uh, state gifts. It, it was about a, a watch. You remember a luxury watch yeah, or something some, that something, he was something given like as a gift. Yeah, but that was given to him by by some. Um, I believe uh, it was a Arab. Arab, uh, you know, like, like Arab leader, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, um, so he's been given along with the fourteen-year prison uh, uh, terms. Mm-hmm. They were also ordered to pay a fine of over one point five billion rupees. Damn, that's four point two million pounds and mm-hmm. uh, five point three million dollars. And his wife is also sentenced. Yes, that's what it says uh, in on, in the headline. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm only God knows how Obviously true he, these. He will be appealing for this as well. Yeah. But uh, you know. Yeah. Only may Allah Almighty guide uh, Pakistan on the right path. Exactly. So you know they. Uh, so they can prevail justice. They, yeah. So justice yeah. can prevail, and they yeah. can govern their country properly and fairly and justly for the people, because you know the government is supposed supposed to be. For the people, by the people, right? Yeah, exactly. Instead of you know just working for their own interests. Yeah. Uh, in other news, um, you know, uh, every week, almost every week, that we are uh, still, hopefully, you know, we are trying to aware, uh, raise awareness for what is happening in Gaza, the <coughs> the genocide, basically, that because is occurring still over key, there. It's still ongoing. It's isn't still it? it's ongoing. Non-stop. Yes, it's still ongoing. So you know, there is a BBC News headline: injured, hungry, and alone. 
the girls and children orphaned by war yeah it's just really right? sad to see what's happening to these kids yeah. now so it effectively they are being targeted hmm. with missiles with bombs yes. and now another weapon that is being used against them is hunger exactly and exactly. the icj yes um you remember a week ago yes. they declared that um humanitarian aid must must be provided yes to the people of yes. palestine because they are hungry hmm. and then funnily enough straight after i think a, a day or two after hmm. they were accused yes. um honor uh, i believe they were accused um that 12 of their members hmm. were in the attacks that were taking place in 7th of october yeah. so because of that um USA and UK and mm. these other major countries who fund this charity yes. they pulled out. Mm. So they said no we're not going to be funding this uh, charity service anymore because uh, supposedly there were um people that were involved in the 7th of October attacks who were part of UNRWA. There was a headline I was exactly. reading on Instagram as well where it said uh, that David Cameron was stating that you know we might be considering the yeah, Palestine yeah. state. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were so, actually discussing this yeah. on some radio channels. But they still were saying you know considering yeah. like as, as if it didn't exist before and they're now thinking about you know making one. Yeah, but the thing is UK <clears throat> has never actually yeah stated this they yeah. they've never said that they would declare a palestinian state so he's but like the, the word first considering one. you know it's still it's yeah, like, yeah. shit of course yeah it's a but it's 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 a big <coughs> thing for um, david cameron to say yeah because obviously the uk is completely against that hmm. so let's see what happens um hopefully <coughs> they can i just want to read out the statistics as well of what's uh, the happened so far since uh, 7th october um at least 26751 people have been killed this is according to al jazeera yeah uh 10000 children uh including more than 10000 children 7000 women and uh, more than 65636 have been injured mm-hmm. including 8663 children 6327 women and more than 8000 are missing yeah see that's the thing we don't really consider the 8000 that are missing yeah because they're still stuck under the yeah. rebel yeah and in in uh, west bank as well in the occupied west bank 370 people have been uh, killed and 99 children mm-hmm. inj- and uh, more than 4250 <coughs> have been injured see that's funny because supposedly they say that in the west bank there is no hamas right? yeah no so why are the killings taking place over there and uh, I, i'm i'm pretty <coughs> sure a lot of us must have seen a video that's gone viral yeah. um where in uh, the west bank hmm. um in a hospital they were um some idf soldiers yes who were dressed as the workers in um a hospital hmm. but they went in and then they killed these three uh young palestinians who i'm not sure what they were accused of yeah but they were dressed up as um the workers in in the hospital hmm. and they ended up killing three hmm. youth the Palestinians and this was in the West Bank this happened seeing, a couple of days we're ago we're seeing like thousands of videos right we're seeing like tens or hundreds of videos coming in each day exactly. and then recently i saw one of uh, a person he was just like recording and one guy he was just crying out saying there's you're showing the world this do do any of them not yeah. care exactly like what's the point like of what's this? the point of these yeah. videos Exactly. None of them no, care. Children are dying. Yeah. Children are starving. No one's taking a step to Women do anything. Women are dying. You mm. know, elderly. Everyone was just dying. Yeah, right? exactly. And they're now now they're not even getting food. 
Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. Most of them mm-hmm. now uh, have just given up hope yeah. on the Arab mm. nation, Muslim nation, or the world. They're just saying, our hope lies with God. Yeah. And and I'm pretty sure everyone has seen those videos where their loved ones have died, mm. ch- children have died, mm. and the only thing that's coming out of their I lips... I mean, to be in a situation like that and still, you know, being having the ability... I know, you know, in times of desperate need, people do turn to God. Mm. But... In times like these, people might stray away from God, saying, "You know, exactly God, you like know, what, showing like, us mercy." Exactly. Right, but these guys, they're still but such their resilience, faith. their faith that they yes. have. What they're sharing is unmatched. Just, yeah, unmatched. Honestly, like, <clears throat> um, we we should just pray that we are yeah. able to have that kind of faith that these Palestinians have. Most and, definitely. And even even um, the <coughs> IDF, yes. they want to get rid of Hamas. Right? Yes. And that's the main aim. Mm. But I've seen videos of these Palestinians who before hated Hamas. They, they declare that we hated Hamas. Yeah. But what has been done to us, mm. now they're saying that we love Hamas because mm. they are the only ones that are, protect, are trying to protect us mm. or trying to go against the occupation. right? Mm. So their aim is to get rid of Hamas. But what are they doing? They're creating more supporters Hmm. For Hamas, hmm. because of the violence of the killing that's being taken place now, because then and and they're not stopping, so I'm not sure <laughs> how much they can actually stop Hamas being, um, well, being spread around in Palestine. The thing is, but that's you know, not how you're meant create, to stop. The, the, the way you, what they're doing over there, what is happening, hmm. is going to end up creating a new generation exactly. of Hamas. Exactly. So you think these kids that are seeing yeah. their kids, uh, parents just die? Yeah. They're their just siblings, to, yeah. Their their family members. They're not going to have that hate for exactly. for who did that. Exactly. Of course, of course it is. It's just um, <clears throat> the world leaders need to wake up and realize what's happening mm. and uphold justice as Islam has stated. Yeah, that's the main thing. Uh, in other news, <clears throat> we were discussing. You know, we were speaking about David Cameron statement. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, uh, in accordance with that, the Brexit. Border controls coming into effect today mm-hmm. will force up uh, f- price of food and flowers. I don't know what the f- flowers like. I I'm not exactly sure mm-hmm. that really you know it really affects us. But uh, you know um, oh oh okay okay uh, f- it says yeah fresh flowers imported yeah. from a European Union. Uh, adding more than 300 million a year to the price of trading mm-hmm. with the continent uh, and forcing up the price of food for British consumers. Mm-hmm. I mean, we That's, saw yeah. we we knew about this. We yeah. saw this coming, but you know, it's already you know there's a cost of living crisis going on, and the prices are going to go up even further. Yeah, which is you know, as in it was supposedly a few few weeks ago they were saying that the inflation rate's coming mm-hmm. down. So as in it's stabilizing. Yeah. But uh, yeah, let's see what happens with this. But apparently, it will incre- increase. Uh, not apparently, it will increase mm-hmm. uh, food inflation, a key driver of the cost of living crisis, by 0.2 percent over the next three years. Mm-hmm. We think 0.2 percent is a small number, but you know, if you think about yeah. it on the bigger scale, yeah. <laughs> it's actually pretty. Has an effect. Yeah, definitely. There was a news article I was reading in Al Jazeera, which um, especially is quite significant for our community, the Ahmadiyya mm-hmm. Muslim community. Yeah. Is because um, the well the news article is that the Indian lost tribe that wants to move to Israel mm. and even fight Hamas. So there's a lost tribe in in India, in northern part of India, mm. who say that they 
are their descendants of Israel. Yes. And their forefathers were from that land. Hmm. And we want to go to Israel and fight for Hamas and move there. Now people might be surprised that how how a tribe in India hmm. um can be from Israel or can be from a, a um from a Jewish background. Yeah. But uh, you know the the founder of the Ahmadi Muslim community um uh, the promised messiah on whom be peace hmm. if we read his book jesus in india he has explained in really um detail how the lost tribes of israel at that time did make their way to that part of land in india and he's given very historical evidences yes. um so it doesn't really come as surprise to us especially the Ahmadiyya Muslim community because our founder has already explained and I would encourage all the listeners out there to go and um read that book yes. Jesus in India in which he proved um that Jesus indeed did travel hmm. to India and where we can actually find his grave also so if everyone can everyone can um read that book I'm sure it will be a true benefit for the for, for all the readers no definitely um so pharmacists uh are going to be prescribing drugs for my for minor uh, minor illnesses now mm-hmm. it will save gp surgeries an estimated 10 million appointments a year apparently mm-hmm. so for sore throat earache sinusitis uh impetigo shingles infected insect bites and uncomplicated uti in women mm-hmm. for these um you know more than 90% of the community chemists had registered to deliver the new service nhs in england said mm-hmm. they have been paid 2000 each and receive 15 pound per consultation plus a thousand pound a month if they set a minimum number of pa- if they see a set number of minimum patients mm. um and you know gps yes. are already treating millions and more people every month uh, yeah. before the pandemic and but with the you know aging population and the growing demand that's why they they they're basically considering this and uh, this already happens in scotland as well yeah. supposedly uh NHS England said 645 million was being invested over the two years in expanding services offered by community pharmacies for how, how many million 645 wow. million that's a big amount yeah i mean so. that you know 15 pound per consultation yeah. i i'm sure there's so many people that just sore throat alone right exactly. they go to the gp now exactly. if they just go to the pharmacy mm-hmm. uh you And it's you know true. a lot of the times you can't go to the pharmacy and yeah. they they'll be like oh you got a sore throat just take this right it and saves a lot imagine them getting 15 pound for that yeah. know, maybe you know it's a good career change for some people <laughs> <laughs> if they're considering it people might be thinking But, about you know that. you do have to go through an extensive course to become a pharmacist yeah yeah you can't just randomly yeah just randomly just wake up it. one day right. and say okay yeah. I'll be a pharmacist today <laughs> But uh, still um I mean it's it's a, it's a lot if you think yeah. about it, it is, considering yeah. what you know the, the the doctors the junior doctors going on their strikes yeah. for not getting enough pay. not enough pay and then we see and rightly so because they rightly they, so definitely yeah. definitely so they've been paid up to 2000 e- have been paid 2000 each mm-hmm. the pharmacists that have agreed okay. right and receive 15 pound per consultation plus 1000 pound if they meet the set uh, quota okay So you know, that's pound, yeah. yeah, and that's it aside from the salary. Yeah, it adds whatever, up. Yeah, right. It can add up to a lot. Yeah, because you know, a lot of people have you know sore throats or just sinusitis or earaches. Yeah. These, especially these three, they is so common. Effectively, they, they, they're trying to save them from going to GP and yeah, yeah. wasting because the GP. Yeah, uh, it's a yeah, basically, basically. Yeah. 
Yeah, because it's true. Sometimes it um, is true. It because is true. you, you yeah. wake up, you might think mm. you have something else, but when you go to the GP, mm. it turns out it's just a common yeah. cold. But they, or they, flu. If, if it's something serious, they they will be referred. So yeah, let's see. That, that's quite nice. Yeah. Uh, in other news, uh, the UK needs tax rises, not cuts, says mm. IMF as. It bra- uh, brands Chancellor's future spending plans unrealistic. Yeah, I was listening to that, actually. So, yeah, let's see. Um, I mean, the IMF suggests that there's a strong case for pushing mm-hmm. taxes up, mm-hmm. given that it believes pressure on the public finances in Britain will only increase in the, in the years ahead. Mm-hmm. Uh, an IMF uh, spokesperson said, um, said preserving um, high-quality public services high-quality public services and undertaking critical public investments to boost growth and achieve the net-zero targets will imply higher spending needs over the medium term that uh, then are currently reflected in the government's budget plans. Uh, and uh, accommodating these needs while assured, assuredly stabilising the debt-GDP um, ratio will already require generating additional high-quality fiscal savings, including on the tax side. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think the the thing is uh, the tax cuts, right? That you know the Tory government so you know su- supports and su- promotes so hardly. Um, it, you know, it, it it pushes them, but those tax cuts don't essentially affect us. Uh, you know, um, the average middle middle class man, right? Mm. Which is the majority of uh, citizens. Rather affect uh, the the rich already who are already rich, mm-hmm. but so, yeah, so 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 if you know the um, if they are saying that you know they should be tax rises, and uh, rightfully so, uh, especially on you know the big major companies you know the oil giants and mm-hmm. stuff, where they declared you know each year they're declaring more and more profits in the exactly. billions, hundreds of billions, billions, yeah, right. But there's the, there's no proper windfall tax on them. Mm. Should be, they should be right, so should they can tax. support the country. Exactly. They should be the first ones. Yes, to be honest. most definitely. And then you know, once again, we pray that may Allah the Almighty guide this country on the right path mm-hmm. as well. So every it can country. every country, exactly. every country, so it can serve its citizens. Yeah. And do ju- justly by them, right? Yeah. I think it's just. <laughs> All the leaders that we have yeah. around the world, they the main thing His Holiness has always stated as well that if we realize our mm. Creator, yes, that's when we will be able to um, move our country to a better place Definitely. and uphold justice. And that's the thing. I, um, I remember um, Hazrat Umar, mm. uh, may God be pleased with him. He used to say that even if a dog is dying out of hunger hmm. in, in near a river or somewhere in the yes. land he is scared that he will be asked by god hmm. that why was he not fed yes. so that was the amount of righteousness and the fear that the 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 khulafa the the the, the caliphs at that time had hmm. to uphold justice and the rights of humans rights of um everyone rights of god and rights of um us as people so once we have that righteousness and that fear that we're going to be judged, we're going to be asked by God about the responsibility that we've been given, hmm. then um, we will be able to um, uphold justice and move um, the world to a better place. It's yes. just Islam teaches us at the end of the day everything that needs to be done for the world to uh, become a better place. It's just hmm. implementing it. 
definitely, definitely. So, dear listeners, we hope you've been enjoying today's show so far. Um, we will be taking a very short break, but, you know, you can call us in at any time. As the number to call in, it is a live show. The number to call in is 0286-877878. Or you can tweet us at The Voice of Islam UK. We'll be taking a very short break and then we'll be getting into our first segment of the morning. Don't go anywhere and do join us after the short break. Selections from the writings of the promised Messiah, upon whom be peace the founder of the Ahmadiyya movement in Islam. Take note how the Holy Prophet of Islam remained resolute and steadfast in his claim to prophethood from beginning to end in the face of thousands of dangers and a multitude of enemies and threatening opponents. For years on end, he endures such hardship and suffering as increased from day to day, enough to make one despair of success. It is inconceivable for a man with worldly motives to have shown such prolonged endurance and steadfastness. Not only that, by putting forth his claim to prophethood, he even lost the support he had previously enjoyed. The price he had to pay for his one claim was to confront a hundred thousand contentions and invite a multitude of calamities to befall upon his head. He was exiled from his homeland, pursued with intent to murder, his home and belongings were destroyed. Several attempts on his life were made by poisoning. Those who were his well-wishers began to harbour ill for him. Friends turned into foes. For an age which seemed eternity, he braved such hardships, which are beyond a pretender and impostor to suffer through. <laughs> I speak the truth that this is the age in which Muslims, according to their belief, and Christians, according to their ideology, were waiting for someone to come. This is the promised time. He who had to come has come, whether anyone accepts him or not. God Almighty always manifests mighty signs in support of those whom he sends to the world. He inclines the hearts so that they should accept him. Whatever had been divinely determined in respect of the promised Messiah has come to pass. Whether anyone believes or not, the promised Messiah has arrived, and I am he. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadiyan, the promised Messiah and Mahdi, alayhi salam. His Holiness, Hazret Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa discussing the economic, social and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals universal to all religions and cultures with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. 
From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man, regardless of race, color, or religion. He has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security. Storm clouds forwarding us of a third world war are getting heavier by the day. The effects of such a war would last for decades to come. Generation after generation of children would more than likely be born crippled or with genetic defects due to the lasting effect of the radiation. Thus, it is the urgent need of the time for mankind to work towards safeguarding our future. Uh, in Quran, uh, the, uh, God say, only God know uh, what is in Abraham. Uh, I asked uh, Ibrahim, Mr. Ibrahim, he told me he want to say uh, what kind of person is in Abraham. And I asked Mr. Quresh, he, is, he told me another thing, uh, what, what sex of person. But now they know uh, what sex of person uh, in yes, Storm clouds forwarding us of a third world war are getting heavier by the day. The effects of such a war would last for decades to come. Generation after generation of children would more than likely be born crippled or with genetic defects due to the lasting effect of the radiation. Thus, it is the urgent need of the time for mankind to work towards safeguarding our future. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day.
a new station, the Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with the Voice of Islam. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Peace and blessings of Allah be upon all of our listeners. Let us now welcome back to the breakfast show on the Voice of Islam radio. Um, now swiftly we'll be moving on to our first segment of the morning which is from displacement to dreams nurturing future leaders in Somalia through education so this is uh, regarding knowledge and education in that land of Somalia the story revolves around Sumayo Jama Farah who is a 12 year old student in Somalia and who is part of an initiative by the Norwegian Refugee Council to provide quality primary education to displaced children. So displaced children who are in need of education, the Norwegian Refugee Council are trying to provide them with uh, the primary education that needs to be um, rightly given to these children. And the project implemented in three schools, um, it aims to build schools, train teachers and offer educational support uh, in a country where violence and displacement have uh, disrupted education for millions of children. As all of us will be aware, um, Somalia has been going through a lot of um, these disruptions and because of that education for children is very, very low. Um, this program addresses financial constraints, lack of awareness and limited facilities. So this is the um, segment that we will be discussing regarding knowledge and education yes. in Somalia. So we do have, you know, um, some interviews that we have conducted with uh, some uh, some uh, guests, some professionals in regards to this topic. So we'll be listening to the first one uh, right now. So, Marion, can you tell our listeners how did your experience in education empower you as a former refugee? Very good question. Um, being a refugee was unprecedented situation for me and I believe for others as well. Um, however, education empowered me many ways. Many ways. It gives me the, a voice. It gives me um, to uh, to lead and empathize with my students. It um, gives me respect and a voice among the society that I live in. Um, uh, very much, I would say, you know, um, without being educated, you your life will be a little different. Um, Especially when you are coming from a uh, Muslim society, you very much be a household, <laughs> a housewife, and uh, and um, have a bunch of kids, you know. But it's a little different when you when you uh, make a choice to educate yourself and be somebody um, in totally different different um, settings. Yep. So, so what do you think are some ways that we can encourage students? from disadvantaged backgrounds or places like Somalia to become leaders through education? Um, I would say um, even though a lot of people who haven't been in Somalia or Somaliland because there are two different places that people think they're Somalia but totally different areas, um, I do believe that there is a basic education there in Somalia and Somaliland and other regions as well. Um, and I would say that uh, the education is not quality education, but my first advice 
that I would say to these kids that are be resilient, resilient, and try to get anything you can. Um, at XF, I know the education is poor. Try to uh, do the best you can. Um, try to get help from family members and relatives. That that's how we used to do back in in, in the area I came from, Somalia. When I was a kid growing up there, he always, you know, that ask your family members, your friends, if your family have, you know, some some families have enough um, financial means to support their kids, so they usually hire a, um, a private teacher. But that's not the case these days. So definitely try um, anything you can. You know, having the uh, fundamental education is, is better, you know, without having a good education. So definitely be resilient and try any way you can. And have a will. Have something that drives you. If you don't have an ambition, if you don't foresee yourself what you want to be in the future, you, you probably won't make it. But if you have something drive you, you, you will make it. Great. So how do you think we can encourage students um, whose access to a good education is at, at risk? Yeah, um, so if students have access to good education, uh, if they don't, in the case of Somali students back home, um, I would say take advantage of what you have at this moment, uh, but life is not going to be the same for you. It will change. It will change. So have that ambition, be resilient, try the best you can to take advantage of what you have. Um, local government, the, the other thing that they can do is to talk to their parents and connect to the local, uh, their local governments and ask them to reform their education. Demand that their education needs to be reformed. And I know that after the civil wars, Somalia has had two civil wars, one in 1988, one in 1991. And all of this had an impact to um, public education in the quality education overall is, is not the best. Um, so they, could, um, they can demand that and ask the government to reform um, by going through their parents and relatives, whoever's in the government. Um, if they, all of them, all these students, try to get influence their parents and their leaders, something will be, they, they will do something. It will change, it will change. But I would say definitely do not let yourself down. You know, stay on the course, keep trying harder. Um, the other thing I could do is that um, in Somalia and Somalia, all the areas that Somalia is living, Ethiopia, Kenya, um, for some reason, I don't know why, but Somalis always have access to the internet. So I would say do not use that internet on social media to your um, disadvantage. Use it, get, um, take advantage of the free uh, education out there. So, so there are many ways that they can try um, doing that. So everyone has a small phone that they, uh, smartphone that they can use for social media. But instead of social media, do use it for, for um, free education that's out there. There are programs out there that are free. Perfect. Well, thank you, Marion, so much for joining us, and we hope to speak to you again soon. So that was uh, Marianne Ali, who is currently a professor at Harvard University teaching 
the Somali language. Um, and, you know, she shared her experience of, of uh, how, you know, she grew up in Somaliland and how the education system was there and how it has progressed, you know, uh, in, in Somalia as well, as well as Somaliland. Um, and what is what is happening over there as well. So the Holy Prophet of Islam, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, established an excellent education system through which the intellectual standards of the society were raised. Literate and well-educated people were instructed to teach the illiterate. Special measures were implemented to educate orphans and other vulnerable members of society. This was all done so the weak and powerless could stand on their own two feet and advance. Literally. And so much so that, you know, when um, after war, yes, there were uh, prisoners of war, right? Yes. So slaves in a sense. Hmm. And for them to be free, and if they were educated in some sort of way, yes, they, was, they were told that if yes. you educate or teach some sort of things to the... Uh, yes, society, to the society, then you'll be free. You, you will be free. So that's how much emphasis was put yes. on knowledge, on yes. education, definitely. by the Holy Prophet. Definitely. So that in Islam, it's very, very um, serious matter to gain definitely. knowledge. And uh, you know, um, the thing is, there was like a systematic way of freeing slaves. It's not, you know, how yeah. th- so the slaves would become proper, legitimate members of society, yeah, right? Exactly. Instead of just letting all of them, mm. you know, it would there would be a collapse yeah. in the society. For example, if you just if you just freed right? everyone, yeah. all of a sudden, yeah. where all would they sudden. go? Exactly. They and would all have the all the leaders, you know, they might start revolting as well. Exactly. Right? So there was systematic, you know, um, they were freed systematically so they can stand exactly, on their own feet. Exactly. Literally. Exactly. That's what it is. But yeah. So that's why it wasn't just done, you know, overnight. Yeah, it was right? done with wisdom exactly, of the Holy Prophet. Exactly. And in terms of fulfilling the rights of the weak and poor, the Holy Prophet of Islam, <coughs> peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, established various schemes and projects to raise their living standards and ensure they were not deprived of dignity. He said that whilst most people afford a high status to those who were wealthy and powerful, a poor person who was moral and considerate had far greater value than a rich person who cared not for the feelings of others and merely lived off his name. Hmm. Um, Some of the challenges faced in Somalia, nearly three decades of conflict, insecurity, political fragility, recurrent climate shocks and increasing economic pressures have had devastating impacts on millions of people in Somalia. 60% of them are children. More than 3.8 million Somalis are displaced internally or across borders, with 1.4 million displaced in the past year alone. Mm. A fifth of the population, 3.7 million, are facing high levels of acute food insecurity. 1.5 million children are acutely or severely malnourished. Funding levels of humanitarian response in Somalia remain low. Consequently, the basic needs of communities remain unmet as underfunding causes gaps in critical life-saving assistance. Yeah. You know, we're, it's, it's not just, you know, what's happening in, uh, you know, Gaza is obviously yeah. is, is very tragic, but, yeah. you know, this these problems are everywhere, everywhere. in the world. Especially right? in, at this time. Yes. It's, 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 it's Ukraine, not, here in Somalia, Yemen, Yemen, Iran. The thing is, we forget that the Yemen conflict has been going on for ages For now, decades. Literally. And it's just now this coming yes. in the news because Yemen has decided yes. to go against the um, resi- exactly. well, o- occupiers, right? Exactly. But in the, the Congo as well. In the Congo, Congo is a big uh, issue right yeah. now. 
for the batteries that but we have on know, our a phones. A lot of the people, a lot of the uh, public, general public, they're not even aware of this. Yeah. You know, raising awareness is is key. It's key. Why? Because a we will know, right? Uh, you know, education is just you know it's, it's such a powerful yeah. tool. B, uh, a lot of people would step for if if they knew they would step forward mm. and uh, you know at least they would donate to charities yeah, that that, ca- that are working in those countries that's right i think the power of the media it's yes. so big yes that and it has the duty to portray the right news most definitely not not just news that fits their agenda yes and you know the, the ICJ coming forward was, was the South Africa. Yeah. You know the whole yeah. thing that they held uh, that was literally through the power of media. Exactly. But then we still saw injustice in that. You yes. know what? Yes. what the BBC at the end of the day they still didn't use the word ceasefire or call for a ceasefire. Yeah, exactly. But they did say all genocide needs to stop. All those genocidal acts yeah. need to stop. They but should stop. You know there still hasn't been mm. a proper effect. Mm. So hopefully you know uh, they can hold them accountable as uh, you know Russia was held accountable held, for yeah. committing their war crimes exactly. in in uh, uh, Ukraine. And things I was just mentioning, you know, like while while the ICJ um, uh, this hearing was happening. Yes. When South Africa was presented their case, it was not showcased on BBC yes, news at yes, all. Yes, but as soon it was as shown Israel, on yeah, other like you know, Al Jazeera, yeah, and yeah other exactly. But as soon outlets. as Israel had their side of the story to tell, yes. that was showcased on. So I think the media needs not to be biased, definitely, and definitely. try to the Western media especially, especially right? try to go towards justice and yes, yeah, uphold justice as we always say. Yes, it can't just show stories that fit their agenda or f- fit their needs of, of the people most definitely um, and you know uh, we were speak that child that 12 year old uh, girl that you were speaking about right mm-hmm. um, so um, Sumayo Jamafara mm-hmm. has in regards to her story uh, she talked about how um, the education program has provided her and her siblings the invaluable opportunity to attend school daily she yeah. says, we are not worried about school fees or learning materials. We have everything in our school. We have just received uh, scholastic materials to support our learning journey. So where you aspires to become a teacher in the future, I hope that becoming a teacher will not only give me the chance to teach displaced children, but also allow me to earn enough to support my family and repay my mother's unwavering support and dedication as she has being the sole provider for our family. She, she. This is just one story out of you know hundreds of thousands of children, right? Yeah. Even millions who have been you know don't have the opportunity and been displaced have been displaced. Don't have the opportunity to education. Education is a right yeah. for every child, yeah. right? Holy Prophet has said so much that to seek knowledge, yes. if you have to go as far as China, yes, you should go. Exactly, but and you know if uh, that you know that rightfully so, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him has said stated this, but uh, a lot of uh, you know children they don't they don't have access to this right. Of course, they you know as I mentioned they're severely malnourished. They don't have access to food or clean water. Mm. So we need to make sure, you know, there's more than enough food and water to go around the world, yeah. right, for Definitely. everyone to to live by. Definitely. Right, and people speak about overpopulation. The the earth is huge, mm. right? There was there was this uh, thing that I saw that you know you could, if you bundle up all the human beings on earth, mm. the seven eight billion odd or so they are. It's a video, right? Right, yeah. yeah. You bundle them all up into a ball, it will fit 
in uh, the um, there's like a big park in New York, yeah, right? Central Park. Central Park. Yeah, they will fit in there, and there'll still be space. Yeah, exactly. No, the the, the Earth is huge. Obviously, yes. People say that because the resources the, are no, limited, the resources are not limited, which is not the right, which is not the which, which is, is not right the case. case. Yeah, which is not. You know, case. we can discuss that intensely in in maybe another episode yeah. of the Breakfast Show, mm-hmm. and we will get into that. We do have another interview that we would like to play for you guys. So let's listen to that one. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim we are delighted to have online with us our guest of the morning Nemo Ismail the deputy director of Abarso network and an alumna of the first Abarso school graduating class good morning assalamu alaikum and peace be upon you and welcome to the breakfast show good morning thank you for having me i'm very honored to join today it's a pleasure to have you on just to begin with how has the abarso school network contributed to the advancement of education in Somaliland? Yes, so Abarsa Network, uh, it, it acts as an ecosystem, an educational ecosystem in Somaliland. So uh, the first Abarsa Network is an umbrella institution that uh, provides uh, support to three different educational institutions. The first one, and it's the one that most people have heard of, is Abarsa School of Science and Technology. That, that one has been founded in 2009 by Jonathan Starr. Uh, and it's uh, it started as a secondary school, but later st- uh, the school started from seventh grade up to twelfth grade. Uh, that the the students at the school, the alumni at the school, ha- were the first batch of students to get accepted into uh, schools abroad uh, after uh, thirty years of Somaliland's existence. So at most the uh, Somalia, Somaliland war. Uh, so because of that success and because people admired it so much, there were a, a big demand to enter a Washa school. Um, so, and unfortunately there weren't enough space to ha- allow everyone to join. And that's where the thought of Kabi schools actually first came in, which are day schools all around the country. Uh, but to achieve or to have Kabi schools exist, we needed more teachers because Abarsha school were mostly staffed for, by foreign teachers, uh, teachers mostly from Western countries like uh, the US and the UK. And we knew that the demand, like having schools all around Somalia, we can't rely on foreign teachers. So Barwago University came, which is uh, 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 the first boarding all female uh, university specifically education uh, first uh, to 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 um, train the batch of teachers who are going to be teaching at the Kabi schools. Uh, so now we've had hundreds of uh, students graduate uh, from Barwaqo University, female educators who are currently teaching at the five uh, existing day schools, uh, four currently in Hargeisa, the capital city of Somaliland, and also one in Sahel region, uh, specifically Barbara. Uh, And all of those uh, five schools are staffed by women educators who are trained uh, in the field of education. Uh, So the Awarsa Network role in the enhancement of education in Somaliland is really uh, wide in its reach because we are reaching not we're reaching kids uh starting from the age of three 
uh, up to uh, female graduates who are graduating from Abarso, from Barwaqo University when they're around 22, 23 years old. And they are also cycled in because these educators from the university are teaching the Kabe uh, schools and the Awarso students are also teaching the Kabe schools, but are also acting as administrators, such as myself and many other alumni who are currently working within the network. Uh, so, and now we are actually aiming in uh, going into advocacy regards to educational policy, working with the Somaliland government, especially the Minister of Education in the enhancement of education in Somaliland. That sounds like you know great work that is happening with uh, the Barso School Network, what they're doing as well. Um, what do you think the future of education in Somaliland um, and Somalia will look like? Uh, it's the education uh, in Somaliland in the future and even now it's brighter than it was uh, 10 years ago when I, myself I was a student so I graduated actually in 2013 and last year July it marked my first uh, 10 years as a, as a graduate from the Somaliland education system and from then to today, I can see the difference with my eyes because I see more female teachers in the classrooms. I see more female students in classrooms. I see more students with disabilities in classrooms. I see uh, people who are inspired to be educated and who are, are, who are doing everything they can to be educated, whether it's inside the country or outside the country. Uh, so, I mean, if, for example, if we look at uh, one indicator, uh, the GPI of the gender balance index, uh, it has uh, increased significantly with regards to students who are enrolling in education, whether it's primary, middle or higher education. Uh, for example, with Abarso, when I was coming in, uh, we were only seven students out of 50, uh, actually in the 17, but we graduated only seven girls. Uh, but now we have a 50-50 ratio for the incoming classes uh, for the two genders. So uh, not only that, but even the quality of education, uh, whether it's uh, education, uh, teaching students the languages, uh, the maths, the arts, history, uh, so the quality of education has been increasing significantly for the past 10 years. And uh, looking at the report, it's going at an upward trajectory. That's, that's amazing work. Um, and how, how can we empower disadvantaged students with poor access to education? Uh, there are multiple facets, and Awarsu does believe in that. The first one is, of course, having uh, providing uh, quality education, uh, and that in terms of having uh, teachers who are proficient in the education sector. It's about um, having the equipment necessary to be educated because right now we're living in a technologically advanced world. I mean, I'm able to talk to you from Somaliland and you are in the UK. So looking at these aspects, it's important to have these. Uh, realities reflected within the education system in Somaliland. So having more access to technology, uh, having more uh, practical, having the education become more practical rather than a theory. Uh, last week, Awasu School finished its first science fair, 
and it was really amazing to see the faces of students uh, doing simulations of volcano eruptions and seeing them actually uh, working with robots. And these are not things that are usual within my country. So uh, us moving towards that uh, qual more quality education itself is important. Uh, another one, of course, is education equality and equity. Uh, whether it's uh, with regards to female and male, whether it's whether it's uh, uh, of course uh, students with disabilities, and making sure we have the necessary uh, facilities that can help them in achieving and becoming part of the school, uh, whether it's part of the minority clans, um, it's important to have an equity-based education. And the last one is of course teaching these students that what you are being taught is in the school is preparing you to become a better citizen of your country uh, and that an aspect of that for us is uh, the big emphasis on community service uh, for students at Awarso uh, dedicate uh, many many I mean at this point thousands of hours to community service whether they're teaching the local village students or the local orphanage centers or even like even if they're not leaving the inside of the campus making sure uh, that the classrooms are clean and um, making sure that they teach the students who are in the same classroom but might not have the same level of understanding of the materials so a uh, community service is really a big emphasis for us at the Barcelona network thank you so much for joining us this morning it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you and thank you so much for shedding so much light upon uh, you know the Barcelona school network so that was Nemo Ismail, uh, who is the deputy director of Abarso Network and uh, alumna of the first Abarso School graduating class. And uh, as you know, the listeners must have heard, uh, they're doing amazing work out there in Somaliland, yeah. um, getting all those uh, children, you know, proper education that they deserve, that they are mm. entitled to. Yeah, definitely. So, dear listeners, we are coming to a conclude right now because we are going to have the 8 o'clock news and then we will be carrying on after the 8 o'clock news. Don't go anywhere and do join us after the 8 o'clock news. As always, this is a live show. You can call us after the news on Oto8687-7878 or tweet us at The Voice of Islam UK. So please do join us after the eight o'clock news where we will be, you know, wrapping up this segment and then we will be moving on to our next segment of the morning where we will be discussing the Panama Canal drought, Barbie dolls to natural gas, climate drama, raising prices everywhere. <laughs> I speak the truth that this is the age in which Muslims, according to their belief, and Christians, according to their ideology, were waiting for someone to come. This is the promised time. He who had to come has come, whether anyone accepts him or not. God Almighty always manifests mighty signs in support of those whom he sends to the world. He inclines the hearts so that they should accept him. Whatever had been divinely determined in respect of the promised Messiah has come to pass. Whether anyone believes or not, the promised Messiah has arrived, and I am he. 
حضرت مرزا غلام احمد و قادیان دا پرومیس مسایہ ان مہدی علیہ السلام کمیونٹی May Allah have mercy on him in regards to knowledge and education. So let's listen to that one briefly. Uh, in Quran, uh, the, uh, God say, only God know uh, what is in Alham. Yes. Uh, I asked uh, Ibrahim, Mr. Ibrahim, he told me he want to say uh, what kind of person is in Alham. And I asked Mr. Quresh, he, is, he told me another thing, uh, what, what sex of person. But now they know uh, what sex of person uh, in Alham. Yes, right, yes. You know, the, all these things which are acquired scientifically by man are despite all their progress not trustworthy as yet. No certainty can be shown about their knowledge. But Allah's knowledge is certain. Many a thing which has been mentioned in the Holy Quran as expressly, solely belonging to Allah's knowledge, we also share a sort of knowledge in that. For instance, Allah tells us, nobody else knows where he is in Tamut. But when a patient is dying, the symptoms have appeared, then you also know. So our knowledge is based on symptoms which appear. When they become apparent, we can read them. There is no special uh, power with us to know the unknown. But Allah knows when, even when the symptoms have not appeared, when there is nothing to read about. So that is one difference between our knowledge and Allah's knowledge. When Allah says, I know, number one, Allah is not dependent on any apparent symptoms to appear. When the symptoms appear, then you begin to see. It is no longer a matter of future. It becomes present. 
For instance, when somebody is dying, is on, on the deathbed, and you can predict he is going to die, maybe once in a million he would not. But most often the doctors can say, and he, the person dies. So will he be a sort of prophet who has made a prophecy? No. What is the difference? He has seen the symptoms of death, and it is no longer a future for him. It has become a present. Instead of istiqbal, it has become hal for him. So that is not sharing Allah's powers. That is following Allah's laws, which He Himself had has made it manifestly clear to His servants. So there is no, in fact, uh, uh, comparison between man's knowledge and Allah's knowledge if you look at it in detail. But still, that knowledge of man is uncertain. Now, going back to what is in the womb, in the uterus, man's knowledge is only dependent on the symptoms which appear. And when the symptoms appear, it is Allah's law which has been made manifest, manifestly clear. So what people saw after the birth, the people can begin to read the symptoms before the birth, but the symptoms have become clear. And those symptoms can be made clear after a certain period of, uh, um, you know, the union of the spermatozoa of sperm and the ovum of a female. When they meet, after a certain time, according to indications of the Holy Quran, uh, the distinction between the sexes is made clear. From then on, as Holy Quran itself admits, the symptoms have been made clear. If anybody can read those symptoms, he will not be sharing Allah's knowledge. He will be following Allah's knowledge. So there are two different things. But before those symptoms have appeared, no doctor can say anything. Allah can yet say, before man and wife has met, Allah knows Man cannot say, it's impossible for him to predict. And despite everything, when the doctors predict ultimately, they're not certain. There is always an element of uncertainty in their knowledge, which remains and nobody can remove that element of uncertainty. This is like the prediction of weather forecasts. Most often, nowadays, they come true. But there always is a certain element of uncertainty which you can never remove. But in Allah's knowledge there is no uncertainty. So I tell you now the example. There here in London there was a case of a pregnancy. During the pregnancy the person wrote to Hazrat Khalifatul Masih Salis, my predecessor, for prayer and for naming the child which was long over, long, I mean, which was yet to come months after the time when he wrote. And many months were yet to pass between the writing and the delivery of the, boy, of the child. So he wrote back and gave him a son's name only and said, a son would be born to you. Now when he went for the medical checkup here, the physicians in the hospital, the gynecologists, 
they told him categorically that this is a girl. We warn you, we know this is a girl. So he wrote back to Hazrat Sahib with panic, in panic. And he said, look here, this is a girl and you have named a boy and you told me it's going to be a boy. So also please now send me a name for the girl. He insisted, he said, no, I'm not going to give you a name for the girl, the name I have given and that's enough. So actually, despite repeated checkups, the doctor had declared positively that it would be a girl, it turned out to be a boy. So this is the extent and scope of their knowledge. Knowledge, it can't be called knowledge, it is still a guesswork, it's still reading of symptoms, which with the passage of time, with the progress of human knowledge, increases that capability of reading symptoms. And those symptoms are laws of nature which Allah has created Himself. So if you f read the symptoms and predict a sort of prediction, that is not sharing Allah's path. <coughs> that is following Allah's path, making benefit out of that. And that is not excluded. In that verse, in that verse what is excluded is that nobody can predict these things before the symptoms have appeared. We can translate it like that. Before the thing has ma been made apparent, before the thing has become obvious to everybody's eye, Human beings cannot say what is going to happen, but Allah can still say what is going to happen. See, there are two different things, I mean, I have pointed out two aspects from which you can study the differences between Allah's knowledge and man's knowledge. So that was His Holiness Hazrat Mirza Masroor, Hazrat Mirza Tahir Ahmed, the fourth uh, Caliph of the Amdiya Muslim community, may Allah have mercy on him telling us about you know the difference between god's knowledge and man's, man's knowledge, knowledge yeah. right there there is a difference um so dear listeners we hope you've been enjoying today's show so far we are coming to a conclude of this topic we will now be moving swiftly on to our second segment of the morning we will now be discussing the panama canal drought barbie dolls to natural gas climate drama raising prices everywhere so the gist uh, of, of, of the story for this is that the story discusses the impact of a severe drought in the Panama Canal, a vital transport artery that handles 40% of the world's cargo. The canal, which connects the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans, relies on fresh water from reservoirs in Panama. And the prolonged drought has reduced water levels, causing restrictions on ship passage. The article highlights how climate change change uh, uh, El Nino um, uh, and ri uh, rising ocean temperatures contribute to extended dry seasons in Central America, affecting the canal until at least 2024. This has led to economic consequences, including increased shipping rates, delays in good transits and, <clears throat> and rising costs impacting global trade and inflation. Additionally, the situation has sparked conflicts over the, the water use in Panama and raised geopolitical tensions between the US and China. Given China's growth influence in the region, the story emphasizes how the Panama Canal's challenges reflect broader issues in the world in the new world economy, including resource conflicts, rising costs and geopolitical tensions, all um, uh, all that are by the ongoing ecological crisis. Yeah. You know, so, when when 
well, me personally, when I hear about Panama Canal yes. and the Swiss Canal, yes. um, uh, a prophecy from the Holy Quran which comes to mind is Maraj um, al-Bahrain, yes. which basically means is it is he who shall merge the two seas. Yes. So if we think about it, a man which was um, there around 1400 years ago and he is revealed by God, He, it is he who shall merge the two seas. And then 1400 years after, we see that a Swiss Canal and yes. uh, the Panama Canal are being made in which two seas, which is specifically Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea, yes. which is the Swiss Canal, they merge together. And then on the other side, the Panama Canal, also two seas are merged together so that ships can go through and the trade route can become easier for the world. Yes. So it's it's a great, great prophecy that's uh, been told uh, by God to us from the Holy Prophet. Peace and blessings of Allah be Most upon definitely. him. And and uh, another thing to note is that, you know, this verse or, or these words, Maraj al-Bahrain, yes. it is he who shall merge the two seas, are mentioned twice in the Holy Quran. And then after, and they're mentioned twice, and then you look at the fact that there's two canals as well. Yes. So that's quite interesting also. Um, and it just shows how truthful the Holy Quran is, and it's truly sent by God. Most because definitely. of these prophecies, there's countless prophecies in the Holy Quran, but this one especially, when I think about the Panama Canal and the Suez Canal, it is quite astonishing how a man from 1400 years ago can mm. make such a statement and it becomes fulfilled. There is a brief audio clip of uh, the fourth caliph of the Muslim community, Hazrat Mizzat Ahmed, may Allah have mercy on him. Uh, in regards to this, let's listen to that one briefly. The prophecies, please sit down. The prophecies never change translations. Prophecies mean, the, the very essence of prophecy is this, that uh, something is said which is not fulfilled. And as long as it is not fulfilled, that prophecy remains a theoretical figure. But when it is translated into action, then it is fulfilled. So you can only say that that was just a claim, a theory, a theoretical figure. Nothing more than that. As long as uh, Nath Suez was ultimately built. As, as long as it was not built. So when it was built, that prophecy came to be fulfilled. The translation remained the same. So that was uh, Hazrat Mizza Tahir Ahmed, the fourth caliph of the MDM Muslim community. May Allah have mercy on him, speaking about how until the words of the prophecy come into light, that prophecy is not fulfilled. But when the Panama Canal was built in 1914, the prophecy of the Holy Quran made by you know uh, God Almighty uh, mentioned to you the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah upon him in the Holy Quran, it was fulfilled in 1914, which was made around, you know, 14, 13, 1400 years ago. And it became fulfilled when, the uh, Panama, as you were speaking earlier as well, mm. when, it, when it opened. So, so some historical context of the Panama Canal, uh, as mentioned, it was opened in 1914. And the canal cut the time it took to transport goods from Pacific to the Atlantic <clears throat> by five months. Excuse me. This meant that ships didn't need to go around South America to reach their destination. It joins the two great oceans in the eastern and western hemispheres. Until World War II, Japan's 
Japan's reindustrialization and Western capitalist economic integration led to increased agricultural trade with South America, restricting its use to regional transport and the U.S. military. Expansion of the two canals. Expansion of the canal was completed in 2016. This doubled its capacity and allowed transport of larger ships. More than two-fifths of all the goods mm. traded between Asia and US today are taken through the canal. And it just shows how important these trade routes, definitely, and th- these canals truly are. Um, sometimes I wonder myself uh, that, you know, why don't they rely on air transport mm. instead of using these canals? Like, they're saying 40% of the world's trade is done through the Panama Canal. I guess maybe because of the emissions and the high, maybe higher cost mm, as well. Yeah. Right. And, and especially, you know, the, I think the weight the weight, the, yes, yes, of the, the goods as well. Yes, and the, that can on the by uh, the sea they can carry like can carry unlimited amount yeah, more literally. or less. And you, right? you, you see these boats with yeah. massive containers. Yeah, and you can see how much. Mm. Obviously, a plane I don't think can carry that, and Definitely. it's cost efficient as well. But and then, but then I wonder as well that you know, it can carry so much weight. But then when I try and swim, I drown because <laughs> 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 I can't swim. <laughs> Why can't I carry my weight? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, it's interesting. No, it's just, it's, yeah, yeah, and and I'd love to learn something. And, and well. those that control these canals, mm. they do um, have a lot of power. Yes, most definitely. So you know, the Swiss Canal has always been under conflict because mm. other nations are trying to control it. So, because it it, it costs millions, yes. as in especially the trade route. Mm. Every ship that goes through, yes. they are earning some sort of um, money for that. Mm. Definitely. So to <coughs> own that canal, that position, it, it, that's why there's conflicts definitely, regarding it. Definitely. Um, <coughs> as mentioned, you know, you mentioned the verse, uh, chapter, chapter ninety-seven, verse seven of the Holy Quran. It states that, and when the seas are made to flow forth one into another, this verse signifies when the waters of rivers will be drained away for irrigation and other purposes. Or when in sea fights, very large ships will be set on fire and it would seem as if the sea is caught on fire. Or when large oceans will be joined together using canals. Or when rural population will go into towns and cities with, will overflow with their inhabitants. The word um, sujira possesses all these meanings. Meaning is means lane basically. Yeah. And um, chapter 55, verse 20 to 21, it states, He has made the two bodies of water flow. They will one day meet. Between them is a barrier. They cannot enroach one upon the other. The two bodies of water may be the Red Sea and the Mediterranean Sea, as you mentioned, or the Atlantic Ocean and the Pacific Ocean, particularly the former two seas. This verse embodies a great prophecy that was remarkably fulfilled by constructing the Suez and the Panama Canals. The former linking the first two seas and the latter the mighty Atlantic and Pacific Oceans. Mm. The world had to wait for 13 long centuries to see the fulfillment of the prophecy or the two bodies of water. may signify the physical and spiritual sciences or the natural laws and divine revelation which are mistakenly considered mutually agnostic and antagonistic and corroborative of each other the one being the work of God, the other his word. Yeah. As we, you know, uh, you mentioned as well before about these verses and the, you know the the waters coming together. Yeah. 
it's a great prophecy that was fulfilled, right? Yeah. Of um of Allah the Almighty yeah. mentioned to you, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon It says to shows that you know the Quran is for all times. It's not specific for one era. Definitely. And obviously these these prophecies were fulfilled really later on. Hmm. And and there are countless of other prophecies in the Quran that we might not even know, but once they are fulfilled, we, we can refer back to the Quran and we can realize that look, God had told us this so long ago. Most definitely. And Most then definitely. the miracle just becomes even bigger for us, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um and, and 40% of the world's cargo passes through the Panama Canal, as we were discussing. Yes, so 40% yes. is just it's, it's, it's an insane amount, right? Yeah. Um our prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Excuse me. Said the best action in the sight of Allah is that which is done with irregularity, be it small. If every Ahmadi member, every Ahmadi remembers this, they will be more likely to perform their duties as an Ahmadi Muslim more efficiently. This planet is not our creation, nor is it our possession. It is Allah's. All Muslims must respect, nurture and care for the environment. Corruption of all kinds including environmental corruption such as industrial pollution, environmental damage, reckless exploitation and mismanagement of natural resources is disliked by Allah. Islam teaches Muslims to take care of the earth. Muslims believe that humans should act as guardians of the planet and be held accountable by God for their actions. This concept of stewardship is a powerful one. Muslims look to the Quran for guidance. Many verses relate to the environment. Muslims are taught that greater Indeed, then the creation of man is the creation of the heavens and the earth. Mm. It is essential to protect God's most precious creation, the earth. Yeah. There is no, there is not an animal that crawls on in the earth, nor a bird that flies on its two wings. But they are communities like you. We have left out nothing in the book. Then to the Lord shall they be gathered. This is you know chapter six, verse thirty-nine. Yeah. So the Holy Quran draws the attention of disbelievers to the animals that still move on the earth and the birds that fly in the air, even animals. And birds can understand using signs of a change in the season. Still disbelievers are worse than these, for they do not see the signs which indicate that Islam is triumphing while disbelief is beating mm. a retreat. Even a dog can see whether its master is angry or pleased. But disbelievers cannot see whether their Lord is displeased with them. Thus both the birds that fly in the air and the animals that move on the earth are in this respect better than the believers. Yeah, truly so, because, you know, even an animal can, as, as you mentioned, yes, can see if a master is angry or pleased. But with all these signs that we see from mm. our Lord, and if we can't come to the conclusion that there is a Lord, um, then, yeah, what you said is quite right most definitely well the listeners will be taking a very short break and then we will be coming back and discussing this topic further so don't go anywhere and do join us after a very short break with so many attacks on islam and the holy prophet wasallam, let's set the record straight he was a man of peace he went through 13 long years of persecution for his beliefs he was mocked and ridiculed but he didn't retaliate because he was a man of peace when he went to Taif to spread the message of Islam, he was pelted with stones until he was bleeding. Yet he did not retaliate because he was a man of peace. 
When he migrated to Medina, he established the Charter of Medina, allowing the Jews, Christians and Muslims to live together in harmony with full religious freedom because he was a man of peace. And after all the oppression that he faced, when he returned to Mecca as a king, he had the right and the power to punish every single one of them. Yet he forgave them because he was a man of peace. The Holy Prophet said that no white man is superior to a black man, no Arab to a non-Arab. Rather, everyone is equal. He freed slaves and taught to treat them as brothers. He did all of this because he was sent as the Rahmatul Lil Alameen, a mercy for mankind. Indeed, the Holy Prophet was a true man of peace. Life of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him. Treatment of neighbours. Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, always treated his neighbours with extreme kindness and consideration. He used to say that the angel Gabriel had emphasised consideration towards one neighbours so often that he sometimes began to think that a neighbour would perhaps be included among the prescribed heirs. Abu Dhar, peace be upon him, relates that the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, said to him, Abu Dhar, while broth is being cooked for your family, add a little more water to it so that your neighbour might also share in it. This does not mean that the neighbour should not be invited to share in other things, but as the Arabs were mostly a migratory people and their favourite dish was broth, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, referred to this dish as a typical one and taught that one should not think so much of the taste of the food as of the obligation to share it with one's neighbour. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, On one occasion the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, exclaimed, I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. I call God to witness that he is not a believer. The companions inquired, Who is not a believer, O Messenger of Allah? And he replied, He whose neighbour is not secure against injury and ill treatment at his hands. On one occasion, when he was addressing women, he said, If anybody finds only the foot of a goat to cook, that person should share it with his or her neighbour. He asked people not to object to their neighbours driving pegs into their walls or putting them to any other use which occasioned no injury. Abu Huraira, peace be upon him, relates, The Prophet said, He who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his neighbour. He who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should occasion no inconvenience to his guest. And he who believes in God and in the Day of Judgment should utter only words of virtue or should keep quiet. Muslim Writings of the Promised Messiah Our God is our paradise. Our highest delight is in our God, for we have seen him and have found every beauty in him. This wealth is worth procuring, though one might have to lay down one's life to procure it. This ruby is worth purchasing, though one may have to lose oneself to acquire it. O ye who are bereft, run to this fountain, and it will satisfy you. It is the fountain of life that will save you. What shall I do? How shall I impress the hearts with this good news? And by beating what drum shall I make the announcement that this is our God, so that people might hear? What remedies shall I apply to the ears of the people so that they should listen?
Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB via the internet 24 hours a day. A new station, The Voice of Islam, with live discussions, religion and culture. Understand the true teachings of Islam with The Voice of Islam. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. Welcome back to the show. Uh, dear listener, we were discussing about the Panama Canal and how there has been a drought over there and what is going on over there. Uh, so the environmental issues that uh, there's been floods in the Balkans and the North Africa have killed thousands and wildfires in the Mediterranean areas have impacted India's rice crop and Canada's wheat harvest. At the same time, at the same time, drier weather threatens Central America's crucial transport arteries in the Horn of Africa 23 million people were severely food insecure because of drought at the end of 2022. Droughts, storms and floods forced nearly, forced nearly 33 million people to migrate that year. And uh, El-, El Nino, a climate pattern um, that describes the unusual warming of surface waters in the eastern equatorial Pacific Ocean, climate change and rising ocean temperatures will combine into extended dry seasons across Central America well into 2024. The prolonged drought and an unusually hot dry spell over the summer have seriously reduced the water in the reservoirs. Interestingly, the Panama Canal depends on fresh water, not salt water. It takes millions of gallons from a series of reservoirs from the Central American country that gives it its name. And the fact that the Panama Canal operates on fresh water is a major disadvantage compared to other water routes. Said uh, Ricorte Vasquez Morales, the administrator of the Panama Canal Authority. The decreased water level in the canal is attributable to the reduction in rainfall in Panama. 
many ships have already diverted to longer ocean routes, which increase both costs and carbon emissions. Shortages also threaten to place international shippers in direct conflict with locals in Panama. It could mirror the pattern of water conflicts that uh, are emerging around the world. In chapter 55, verse 11 of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty states, and he has set forth, set the earth for his creatures. Creatures means mankind or the jinn or all the creatures that are on the surface of the earth, everything having a living soul. Certainly, the creation of the heavens and the earth is greater than the creation of mankind, but most men know not. Chapter 40, verse 58. This verse derives... This verse drives home the supreme lesson that false pride has led many people, many people in the moral undoing what is man it purports to say as compared to the vast universe that he should refuse to accept the word of God who is the, its sole creator. The implica implication of the verse may also, uh, the implication of the verse may also be that when God could create heaven and earth, he could bring man to life after death. This verse possesses yet another significance. According to learned scholars and commentators, such as Baghvi, Ibn Hajar and others, the word Anas, mankind, in this verse signifies the Dajjal. The interpretation finds its confirmation in a well in a well known saying of the holy prophet peace be upon him meaning from the creation of adam to the day of resurrection there has not been a greater creation than uh, of the dajjal this hadith points to the mightiness and all powerfulness of the dajjal and he is greater deceiver and beguiler the faithful are warned to be on their guard against being deceived or intimidated by his apparent glamour and, mag and material glory. And, you know, we see that, uh, you know, the, 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 the Jal here is, um, you know, being referred to as the, being this, uh, you know, mighty, uh, glamour, glamorous, entity with you know material glory given the sadhis the implication of the verse seems to be that the forces of darkness of which the jal is greatest representative however mighty they may be will fail to uh, you know uh, hold the progress of Islam and that the new faith will eventually vanquish such forces and in chapter 16 verse 66 it states that and Allah has sent down water from the sky and has quickened the earth after its death. Surely this is a sign for people who would hear. By water here it is meant divine revelation and the attention of disbelievers has been drawn to the fact that if prophets have been appearing in the past to give life to the dead, why should the present generation not have their prophets? He sent down water from the cloud and we bring forth in addition to every kind of growth. Then we bring forth with what green foliage wherefrom we produce clustered grain. And from the date palm 
out of his sheaths come forth branches bringing low uh, uh, hanging low um, fruit you know in addition we produce gardens of grapes and the olives and the pomegranate similar and dissimilar look at the fruit thereof when it bears fruit and the ripening thereof surely these are the signs for people who believe this is in verse 100 of chapter 6 revelation this revelation is likened here to rainwater and the verses answer to the questions why if revelation is indeed a blessing if there is there discord and strife whenever a prophet is raised it says that just as the rainfall all kinds of vegetation grow up both good and bad according to the seeds lying concealed in the earth similarly at the advent of a divine messenger when who so far had remained mixed up become divided into good and bad the words like and unlike imply that some fruits resemble and some differ from each other you know this uh, there's various different verses that you know we can uh, also speak about here in regards to this as well um so speaking about the social and economic inequality in panama <clears throat> panama one of the world's most unequal nations faces poverty due to one in five citizens living below the poverty line to improve water efficiency higher water prices are being called for with the potential to end panama's tax haven uh, you know status and tax haven status and finance infrastructure projects within its, within the country the panamanian government is working hard to engineer the repair of the canal and preserve a canal that brings in over 3.3 billion in tolls annually which is significant portion of the nation's gdp or inequality remains high at 42 49.2 of the <coughs> excuse me on the gini index which measures the degree of inequality in income distribution panama has the third highest levels of inequality behind costa rica and colombia Afro-Panamanian communities and rural indigenous territories face persistent poverty and income inequality. Since the 1950s, Panama's population has grown four times, most relying on the canal's reservoirs, although absolute income poverty rates have decreased in the past decade. Relative poverty measured by the social inclusion has not significantly improved. Before the COVID-19 pandemic, Panama's economy grew four times the Latin America and the Caribbean regional average. Poverty will continue decreasing over time and approach pre-pandemic levels by 2025. So, uh, dear listeners, we'll be taking a very short break and then we will get getting back into things. Don't go anywhere and do join us after a very short break. And as always this is a live show so if you would like to call us in at any time you can call us in at 0208687787 or you can tweet us at the voice of islam please don't go anywhere to join us after a very short break Writings of the Promised Messiah alayhi salam In order to establish the oneness of God it is of utmost importance that one should love God to one's full capacity 
and this love cannot be verified unless it reaches its perfection in a practical form. It cannot be proved with lip profession. You know, if somebody just talks of sugar, he cannot find the taste of sweetness in his mouth. Or, if somebody expresses the feeling of friendship, but does not help his friend in times of need, he cannot be called a true friend. Likewise, if somebody just talks of the oneness of God, but does not love him as he should, it cannot be of any avail. What I really mean is that practice is very important along with the precept. That is why it is necessary that you should dedicate your lives in the way of God. And this is the real Islam for which I have been sent to the world. Thus, he who does not come near this fountain that God has made to flow is very unfortunate. I speak the truth that this is the age in which Muslims, according to their belief, and Christians, according to their ideology, were waiting for someone to come. This is the promised time. He who had to come has come, whether anyone accepts him or not. God Almighty always manifests mighty signs in support of those whom he sends to the world. He inclines the hearts so that they should accept him. Whatever had been divinely determined in respect of the promised Messiah has come to pass. Whether anyone believes or not, the promised Messiah has arrived, and I am he. Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad of Qadiyan, the promised Messiah and Mahdi, alayhi salam. His Holiness, Hazrat Mirza Masroor Ahmed, the present head of the community, continues in his effort to unite people from all faiths and cultures by promoting interfaith dialogue and religious freedom. He has traveled extensively to spread the message of peace and to remind everyone to respect the rights of other human beings. During these tours, His Holiness has met world leaders from the Far East to Europe, from North America to Africa discussing the economic, social and political problems facing the world today and how to create peace and justice in the world. He has also met religious and community leaders in order to share common values and core ideals universal to all religions and cultures with a view to improving the moral state of mankind and creating an atmosphere of love and affection. From young to old, he compassionately listens to the ordinary man, regardless of race, color, or religion. He has personally initiated social projects and schemes to alleviate poverty and human suffering. His concern is not just about the well-being and moral state of the members of the Ahmadiyya community, but of the great human suffering of mankind at large. The Ahmadiyya community knows only that Islam, which is the Islam of love and affection, offers a real message of peace and security.
You're listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. Broadcasting on DAB and via the internet 24 hours a day. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim in the name of Allah the most gracious ever merciful. I am uh, delighted to say that we do have online with us our guest of the morning Mr. Pablo Escribano who is the regional specialist of international organization on uh, migration um, environment and climate change for the Americas. Good morning, peace be upon you and welcome to the breakfast show. Good morning, how are you doing? Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, just to get into things, could you tell us how does climate change impact human mobility patterns globally? Right, so you mentioned earlier uh, the fact that, you know, in, in Somalia you get drops that displace people. Yes. So these are some of the things that we're seeing yes. uh, about the impact of climate change, right? We get what we call sudden onset hazards, so things like hurricanes displacing people, people having to leave their homes. Yes. But then as well, processes like drought, like sea level rise, like coastal erosion, making people having to leave their homes as well, because maybe their 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 fields are not giving enough crops. Um, they, they're sort of run to be uh, food insecure because their houses get... Hello? People have to leave their homes, right? Yes. Uh, and so that's what we're seeing on a global scale, right? Both because of sudden onset hazards, but also slow onset processes like sea level rise, yes. like drought, like glacier melt, uh, make people have to leave their homes. Yes, definitely. Um, could you elaborate on the specific challenges and vulnerabilities faced by the communities in the Americas to climate-induced uh, migration? Yes, yeah, so, so the Americas is a very diverse region, right? So yes. we have multiple uh, areas of concern, right? So. We have obviously the small island state of the Caribbean. Yes. Storms and hurricanes uh, quite often during the hurricane season, uh, second half of the year. And you have massive displacement in those cases, right? So we had some hurricanes displacing more than a million people in 17, for instance. Uh, then we have obviously the Andean uh, region, the high mountain areas, where glacier melt is a critical concern because there are many communities running out of fresh water yes. and people having to leave those communities because they cannot work the fields anymore. Uh, in communities and the dry areas of Central America. Part of the migration stories that you hear in the news of people leaving places like Honduras, like Guatemala, to go to the United States, they're also related to uh, the impact of droughts, notably on, on agriculture, right? And the decide to move uh, both to the cities and to and abroad to the United States. Yes. And um, would you say that are there any um, are there regions or communities that are more vulnerable to the effects of climate change on human mobility? Hello. Mr. Mr. Pablo? Yes, can you hear me? Yes, yes, we, we can hear you now. Sorry, I think the line might have dropped. Uh, so I'll repeat my question. Uh, are there regions yes. or communities that are more vulnerable to the effects of climate change on human mobility? Yes. Right, so now that, that's a very good question. I would mention there's a couple of, of, of cases that are important, right? Some communities, um, uh, some are settled uh, in very exposed areas, right? So they're built 
uh, in areas where uh, climate hazards would affect the livelihoods, right? So we yes. have communities built on built on on coastal areas where we know sea level rise is a critical. We have some communities uh, built on slopes uh, where there's there's landslides quite often, right? So those communities um, are particularly vulnerable to the impact of climate change. But also we have communities which are very dependent on, for instance, rain, right? So yes. the places where there's no irrigation, communities, rural communities where the agriculture depends on rain in particular, those are also highly vulnerable, right? So I would say all those examples of communities that are located in areas that are highly exposed to climate hazards, uh, such as drought or, or, or sea level rise or landslides, but also communities where livelihoods depend on, on rain, for instance, right? And, and we have many of those in Central America. Of course. In which okay. rain fed ag- because of climate change, then people are severely affected. We have food insecurity on the rise and people having to leave and go to the cities. Yes, definitely. Uh, and, you know, just before we let you go, um, what are the long-term implications and potential future scenarios regarding human mobility in the Americas due to ongoing climate change? So it's very difficult to have future predictions, right? Because there's many different variables that will affect, you know, how people will react to climate change. But what we're seeing, and we will continue to see, I think, is is an impact on urbanization, right? I think we will see many cities in the region that are continuously going to grow because people are arriving to the cities from rural areas. So major cities like like Santiago in Chile, like Mexico, like Guatemala City, like Bogota, they will keep receiving uh, people coming from from rural areas, right, which have been affected by climate change. Um, So the longer term impacts, um, I would say that they relate to the need to, to improve the capacity of cities to host these new populations, right? Cities which are also affected by climate impact, but that will have to deal with the arrival of migrants, uh, people setting in, which is not always easy, right? Because of of the needs in terms of the delivery of services. Yes. So in the longer term, I would say the 2050, 2060 scenario, I think we will still see patterns of urbanization quite strong and people having to leave rural areas, right? So maybe some, some rural areas as well will population will decrease because you know continuous impacts of of climate change yes thank you so much for joining us uh, this morning mr pablo it's been a pleasure speaking with you for now have a good morning take care uh, and uh, peace be upon you thank you very much uh, for having me it was a pleasure thank you bye-bye so that was mr pablo uh, escribano uh, who is the regional specialist as mentioned in of the international organization on migration and uh, environmental and climate change for the americas uh, you know and he sh- shed some important light upon this topic as you know as he mentioned a lot of the people they are living in rural areas or they're living uh, near the you know the sea and uh, those communities they are obviously they will be affected worse off with um, in regards to be- being climate change and they will have to you know migrate in regards to this as well so, dear listeners, we are coming to a uh, conclude to today's uh, show. We hope uh, you've um, enjoyed today's breakfast show. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, as we do wrap up the show, we invite you to you know stay tuned for more exciting episodes and incredible guests in our tomorrow morning's show, where we will be discussing World Hijab Day 
understanding the dress code. Rafah reaches breaking point, tragic tra- uh, toll of Israeli strikes on displaced families. And um, what is Lithium Rush all about? I would just like to thank the producer, Nafisa Amini, uh, the researchers, Jaz Bakhan, Kashfa Ahmed, Sara Chaudhary, Mehrish Dogar, Razia Chaudhary, as well as, uh, of course, uh, the technical department. Uh, I would like to thank um, Shahriyar Khan. So for now, uh, dear listeners, do have a good morning. Peace be upon you. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah and take care.